0: Love the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we're talking about April Fool's Day from 1986, directed by Fred Walton, written by Danilo Bach, starring Deborah Foreman, Ken Olant, and Amy Steele. A group of college kids spend a weekend at their friend's mansion on an isolated island and are slowly picked off by an unseen assailant. And I picked this to celebrate the coming of April and because a good friend of mine here in Asheville has been urging me to watch it for years. So I
1: finally gave in and him and I watched it together and, and had a lot of fun. Oh, this was your first time watching it? Yeah. Had you seen it before? No, I hadn't. I had assumed uh, you had seen it.
0: Yeah, I had. not I was, I was very aware of it. And I feel like the uh, it's got another one of those covers that you just remember walking by in the video store. Right. With yeah. the woman hiding a knife behind her back, but no, I'd never seen it.
1: Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, given uh, some of the spoilers and the and the twists in this movie, like it's a kind of good one to watch for the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I had no idea of any of the, the
1: spoilers or anything like that, so that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. How, what do you uh, typically do for uh, April Fool's Day? What's your uh, routine? <laughs> I don't do anything.
0: I would... I feel like as a kid, I used to get into it and maybe do something every once in a while, but
1: now I never do. How about you? Yeah, I can't remember the last time I celebrated it and uh, it's it's funny with like this movie and Friday the 13th like these are holidays or, or dates that people know of, I think mostly because of these movies which have uh, solidified them in pop culture outside of that, I mean, I don't know how celebrated April Fools is or if people even take it seriously. I think kids take it seriously, and like your resident office loser (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're probably right yeah there's there's some diehard fans out there yeah keeping the tradition alive yep so this keeps with our tradition of
0: holiday horror when the holiday comes and specifically slashers that are named after the holiday april fool's day friday the 13th etc what else did we just do i'm blanking oh my bloody valentine My bloody Valentine, yes, thank you. So you actually, I read on the Wikipedia page that the only way to get this DVD was to buy it with a like a double set of. uh, Oh no! April Fool's Day and My Bloody Valentine. Oh man, that's probably the only way people are buying uh, My Bloody Valentine, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah, I don't think that's true because I I did see it on DVD uh,
1: standalone on Amazon, so I think maybe that was an outdated Wikipedia entry. Yeah. Uh, both, both movies were shot in Canada, but th- this one, I think, is like an American-Canadian film.
0: Yeah, I don't think this one has any, um, Canada wasn't involved in the production at all. It was just shot in Canada. Yeah, got it. So, yeah. Uh, did you recognize anybody in this one? No. Uh, no, uh, I did really? not. Yeah, did you? Yeah, man. Arch is Thomas F. Wilson, who plays Biff in Back to the Future.
1: Oh no, kidding! Yeah, just wow. the
0: year before this, he was in Back to the Future in
1: nineteen eighty five. oh that's crazy. He was like so charming in this one. I I couldn't picture him as Biff in uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, he almost like looked different just because he was.
0: He really embodied Biff in Back yeah. to the Future, and he was just <laughs> much more of a lighthearted
1: character in this one. Yeah, wow, that's that's pretty good acting on his part if he can. Completely and then uh, you sh-
0: you should have recognized somebody else from our holiday series. Ooh, uh, Vincent Price. Uh, (laughs) no, Vincent Price wasn't in this. (laughs) Uh, Uh, who else? There's many things wrong with what you just said. Uh, (laughs) Ken Olant was, uh, who was kind of the main dude in this named Rob. He was Uh, our, uh, 90s hunk from Leprechaun.
1: Oh yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah, he was. I thought he looked like Kevin Bacon. I remember thinking that in Leprechaun too. That's the yeah. same guy, huh? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. So he's been kind of looking like Kevin Bacon for decades now. <laughs>
1: that's been his thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope that's his like Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah. I kind of looked like Kevin Bacon back in the day. <laughs> um, you call this uh, a slasher film? Is that right? Yeah.
0: I mean, unless you give away the twist at the ending, it, it I think yeah. it follows the slasher format.
1: Yeah, but it's it's funny because you don't see too much slashing going on, like even a lot of the violent, there aren't really any violent scenes in this, right? And that's kind of why it was like shown on TV so often is because there's like very limited violence in this.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is, but there isn't. Like, you could really easily edit out the scenes that are violent. Yeah, I mean, I, d- I think I most think... of the violence is like after the fact, like sever sever heads and yeah, specific right. wounds. Like you don't see any violence being done to somebody at the time, uh, except for one guy at the very beginning. Oh sure, yeah. Um, but again, that's an easy edit.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of the time you're just seeing the dead body, um, yeah. Which, which, yeah, it's interesting for a slasher to be so clean uh, as this one.
0: Yeah, and I kind of feel like slasher has come has come to mean more than just a knife wielding villain. I think certain movies just kind of follow the formula of like an unseen assailant or even a scene assailant who's just stalking a group one by one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Attacking a a group of teenagers or something. Yeah. Yeah. That falls squarely in that category.
0: Yeah. Um, So this director, Fred Walton did when a stranger calls from 1979, which I still haven't seen. Mm hmm. And then directed the remake of it in 2006. When A Stranger Calls Back? <laughs> no. When a, I think there is When A Stranger Calls Back, but I think that was a sequel.
1: Oh. I think oh. When A
0: Stranger Calls from 2006 was a remake. I might be wrong on that, but I, I thought that's how, how it went down.
1: Oh, wait, sorry. When you said a sequel, you mean the sequel day, April Fool's?
0: Uh, so he did When A Stranger Calls in 1979. Yep. Unrelated to april fool's day and then in 2006 he did the remake
1: oh okay okay of one got of stranger
0: it. calls sorry yeah. if i maybe i said sequel on in there by mistake
1: i'm drinking some brandy got it yeah okay so it's a remake and you haven't seen either of those i haven't no i haven't I've either one of
0: stranger calls kind of takes advantage of that urban legend of like the call is coming from inside the house oh fun like yeah. the whole movie is built around that oh that's, that's a good one
1: is that are those supposed
0: to be good movies No. Not according to Rotten Tomatoes at least. Okay. And I really don't hear much talk about them in the horror community so I think they're kind of overlooked or forgotten.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't say this uh, director is like terribly original. It seems like he kind of uh, saw that like Slashers were really running around at this time and popular and he just kind of copied it from a formula perspective. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think so. Uh, He did a lot of TV movies and any of his like feature films for the theater didn't really get great reviews, but uh, this movie may have made its money back. It was a five million dollar budget and it grossed
1: about thirteen million, so that's not horrible. No, yeah, it's not terrible, and yeah. uh, and and the reviews I feel like for a, a basic slasher film uh, are trending a little better than what I would have expected.
0: Yeah, I think the twist bumps up the uh, reviews a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, this is kind of crazy. So this guy, this character Skip in the movie, is played by this actor named Griffin O'Neill. And at the beginning of the of the film, there's a boating accident that he kind of gets blamed for, or could be perceived as his fault. Yeah. And in real life, he got into a boating accident years later that killed Francis Ford Coppola's
1: son. Oh my God! Really? Did you read that? No. Wow. That's crazy. Um, Did he? Did he go to jail or something? I think it was
0: just like for a few days, like Mm -hmm. it was kind of like a manslaughter from reckless driving. Yeah. So I think he paid a fine and maybe spent like a few weeks or a few days
1: in jail. Wow. That's crazy. What are the, what are the chances you're in a movie where you do that and then you do it in real life? Right. That's, it's horrible. It's pretty haunting. Uh, what do you got, man? I don't have too much great on this movie. Uh, I think it's interesting this is one of three horror films that take place around April Fool's. There's one called Killer Party and one called uh, Slaughter High, I think. Yeah, I did not realize that. It'd be interesting to check those out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Did this movie even take place on April Fool's Day? The movie we watched? The movie called April Fool's. Yeah, the one we watched. Does it take (laughs) place on on April Fool's? It does, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't remember seeing that... Uh, or any, anyone, well, I guess people do shout it throughout the movie. I mean, there's, they're shouting out April Fool's through like the whole movie. Yeah. There's a but whoopee the, cushion in it, for God's sake. <laughs> that's true. But the movie takes place over two days, so which day was April Fool's, the first or the second? Does it take place over two days? Yeah, remember there's an overnight. I mean, they go out to a house, they, just, they sleep the next day, things start to happen. Um,
0: I think it's safe to assume one of those days is April Fool's, but there isn't never like a hey, today is April Fool's Day, like... Yeah. It's
1: the general celebration season. (laughs) It's Yeah, it's the season of April Fool's. (laughs) Um, I was was trying to look at some background on, like, the origin of April Fool's, and there isn't a bunch out there. It seems like it has, like, roots, like, all over the place and, like, from different literature works that it was uh, developed. But one interesting thing I did learn is, like, in the UK especially, April Fool's, you can only celebrate until noon on that day, And that's kind of like the cutoff. If you do it after noon, um, then you're actually the fool. Like the joke's on you. You're the April Fool. Did you you know that? (laughs) So like somebody sits on a whoopee cushion and then laughs at you for putting it there? (laughs) Yeah, because you're the April Fool for putting it there after 12 o'clock. You idiot. (laughs) Yeah, it's 1230. You're too late. Looks like you're the fool. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad I know that. Yeah, so it's it's just keep in mind for uh, for April Fools this year or, or or next year something to keep in mind. Yeah, uh, do you know that a whoopee cushion is made of rubber? Uh no, I didn't know that. I, I guess I, I yeah, I guess
0: I would have assumed sure. And uh, do you know who discovered the vulcanization of rubber as a process that makes rubber useful today?
1: Ooh, would it have been uh, someone uh, related to the to go tire factory? Yeah, Charles Goodyear, who is the namesake of Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company based in Akron, Ohio. Wow, that's awesome. Akron is the capital of rubber, right? Or something like that? It is, yeah. Rubber yeah. capital of the world. And maybe the capital of fake farts. <laughs> this We need to look into this. Who, who sold the first co- uh, Whoopi cushion? I imagine it was someone named Whoopi, but maybe that's not right.
0: <laughs> um, the whoopee cushion, I think, was invented and sold in
1: Canada for the first time. Oh, no kidding! Ah, mm-hmm. never would have guessed that. Yeah, you, do, you don't. You don't. You don't see them around too much. I mean, when was the last time you sat on a whoopee cushion? I think it's just because we're adults now. Like, <laughs> maybe like if you asked a ten year old kid, he'd be like, "I just saw a whoopee cushion the other day." <laughs> yeah, maybe. I hope those kids are still playing around with that stuff. Uh, yeah, these days they probably got some app on their phone that makes those sounds anyway. I'm sure there are plenty of farting apps that you can, like,
0: trigger from one phone to the other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I kind of want to get one of those. Uh, Anything else on this movie before we just move forward to the spoiler-heavy plot? Uh, No, I'm good. All right. Cool. Well, uh, you mind if we take a quick break? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. I'll be right back. All right.
1: Hey, o- Ashwin? Yeah, what's up?
0: you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Y- have you been there the whole time?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> why? <laughs> oh man, uh, you know what? I think you might have been on the phone with my evil twin, Ryan.
1: Oh my god, that was Ryan I was talking to this whole time?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Ryan. I know I told you that I had that evil twin who's been in an institution
1: for a few years. Oh my god, he sounded just like you. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty good at imitating my voice yeah and he escaped he escaped and uh now he's answering your calls yeah (laughs)
0: that's what makes him so evil is he calls my friends and pretends to be me
1: so they (laughs) locked him up wow we'll have to credit him on this uh podcast episode special guest yeah uh okay he
0: also murders people from time to time which is a real bummer oh man yeah Siblings, right? <laughs> <laughs> Murderous siblings can't live with them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, man, so this movie, it starts off with a bunch of friends waiting for a ferry to get over to a private island where their rich friend Muffy has invited them to her mansion for a weekend getaway. And dude, there are like nine people here. Did you feel like this was maybe too many characters? I
1: did. It made me think about things like My Bloody Valentine and like other movies that we watched where it just jam packs it with... Uh, characters so i i felt like that was a, a kind of a, a downside right off the bat what, what did you think
0: uh, i agree man yeah i mean i know slashers like that because it can increase the body count like more people to off and more kill scenes but yeah boy it just it makes them even more hollow to me sometimes
1: yeah i still don't know like anyone's name in that in, in, in this movie just Me a, neither. Yeah, just a bunch of people. I mean, yeah, Except Vincent Price, you know that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. He's, he's the kind of standout in this one.
0: <laughs> but in case you're listening and aren't super familiar with these movies, Vincent Price is not in this movie, to clarify. <laughs> okay, so there's these nine friends. They're waiting for the ferry, and they're just kind of shooting the shit with each other, making a whole bunch of sexual jokes and innuendos, which is like the first 30 to 40 minutes of this movie. Um the sex and innuendo jokes, not the waiting for the ferry. Um so what happens? The boat comes, they all get on, and Oh, before this we see Muffy, the host, who's waiting for them at her house, and she's staring like super creepily at a jack in the box and having a flashback of receiving it as a gift at a family gathering. And she's, like, turning the knob as a kid, and a monster pops out. And, like, the whole party, all her relatives just start laughing at it. <laughs> that was, that was really interesting, like, heavy flashback. It had... It was. And she was, like, looking very, like, crazed and glossy-eyed at this jack-in-the-box. So right. So it
1: was, like, okay, this is significant. Yeah, it kind of set the stage for, like, there might be something wrong with this person.
0: Right. Um, so then we go back to the friends who are joking around on this boat headed over to her mansion Muffy's family mansion and two of the friends are joking around with this knife and like tossing it back and forth on a boat as as one does and one of them like throws it at the other a little too hard and it stabs the other one in the stomach and he falls into the water some of the friends like jump in to save him and it turns out it was an elaborate prank it's like a (laughs) fake knife and a fake little prosthetic And these dudes are like doing some magician caliber shit if they were able to fake that.
1: Yeah, that was really impressive. (laughs) Yeah. It was a good job.
0: Um, But one of the dudes who's like jumped in to save one of the guys, he hangs out in the water to tie the rope to the dock. And he ends up getting smashed between the boat and the dock. And he gets out and his face is all gored and his eyeball is hanging out. And local cop or somebody like takes him
1: away in a speedboat to get urgent medical care. I didn't understand. Um, cause the, one of the characters on the boat is kind of blamed for it and he feels really guilty about it, but I didn't understand what really he had to do with that accident.
0: I don't either. I was, I was so unclear just the entire time about who was who and what was going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just, we take a lot of time with these characters, but you don't really ever get to know any of them in my opinion. Um, our boy Ken Oland from Leprechaun is the only one who has a bit of a backstory where he was going to go to medical school, but now he's not. And I think it's because his dad
1: said he didn't think he could do it or something like that. Was that his dad or the high school counselor? I, you might be right. College counselor. Yeah. It was, it was just a really funny, like kind of sappy story. <laughs> he's going to become there a There were doctor. a couple like shoehorn
0: serious moments into this that just didn't fit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, they get to the house. None of them seem to be that upset that they just saw a guy's eyeball fall out. Um, They start walking around the house. Everyone's going to their rooms for the night, and there's some sort of prank in every room. Like, it's clear that Muffy has rigged things up. Like, there's an exploding cigar. The light switches are rigged so that somebody turns out the light in their room and another one turns on. And then some of them are kind of creepy. Like, there's a tape player hidden in a closet that's playing the sound of a crying baby. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they had a dinner together as well where Muffy was pulling some some April Fool's Day tricks. So everybody knows, like, oh, Muffy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But eventually people start to disappear. And things are kind of getting tense. Like, where did this person go? Where did this person go? And it kind of gets ratcheted up when one of the characters accidentally falls into a well. And there are... Th- like two severed heads down there, and one body of like all the people, all their friends who have gone missing so far. And so things are on edge. Everyone knows something's up. And there's also this plot unfolding where there's something in everyone's room to hint that like Muffy has something on them, like knows something about their past that's incriminating. Mm-hmm. Like one character has news clippings about a car accident that he was involved in yeah and then i think one of the women has something about abortion in her room and she secretly had an abortion in her past
1: yeah there's like a tape of a baby crying yeah oh that's what that was about gotcha Mm -hmm. but that plot line like went nowhere right like yeah that went
0: nowhere.
1: (laughs) yeah i didn't get the point of that yeah um, but yeah, I, I think you um, kind of get the sense that, and and there was a another movie uh called like, and then there were none, or like a story by Agatha Christie, where like these people are invited to a house and they kind of get knocked off, but based on things that they have done. And I think that's what this was trying to set up with. It was like these like pranks are like kind of tied to something that maybe these guys uh, were guilty of doing or something.
0: Okay, gotcha. That was pretty thin, in my opinion. It was. Yeah, yeah. I I will admit I wasn't paying as close attention to this as I normally do because I was watching it with my buddy and we were kind of joking around as it was on, but it still seemed like it didn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so eventually more people were kind of disappearing and two characters who are, like, as close to main characters as we get, Kit and Rob. Rob, who's Ken Olant from Leprechaun. Oh, and Kit is... Um, played by Amy Steele, who was the final girl in Friday the 13th, Part 2. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so eventually the two of them see a picture in the house of two twin girls from a while back, so it's kind of looking like it's Muffy when she was a little girl and someone else. And Muffy has been acting very strange, too, so they're kind of wondering if something's up, and later on they find markings in the basement. You know how you do on the wall to, like, measure a child's height over the years? They see markings, and on one side is Muffy, and on the other side is Buffy. They then find a letter insinuating that Muffy's twin sister, Buffy, has escaped from a mental institution. So it's
1: starting to get pretty clear that Muffy, who they think is Muffy, may be Buffy. Yeah. And I think Muffy's like character kind of changed overnight, too. Like on that first night with dinner, everything, Muff- Muffy's kind of this joke, joking around and having a great time with them. And then the next day, like from that morning onwards, like she's just this really uh, reclusive, uh, odd, you know, not really engaging or talking to people and just being really weird and distant. So I, yeah. I, I think they kind of played into that story of, oh shoot, this might not be Muffy anymore.
0: Yeah. Yep. So things are adding up, things are getting more tense and eventually they find Muffy's severed head, severed head in the basement, which was kind of a fun scene. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind and of falls on them. Yeah. And then they turn around and see that Buffy is like staring at them from the window. Mm -hmm. And a chase ensues where Buffy's chasing around the house with this big knife. And eventually they end up running into the dining room where all their friends who have been disappearing throughout the movie are just hanging out, like reading or talking to each other whatever. And then they just like turn and look at them and laugh at them. And they realize this whole thing was just a prank put on by (laughs) Buffy. Do they yell April Fool's at that point? I think maybe
1: they do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they yell
0: "April Fools,
1: 1986." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I remember.
0: <laughs> uh, so she's just inherited the family mansion, and she's she explains that she's decided to turn it into like a murder mystery bed and breakfast, and she wanted to try it out on her friends. <laughs> so every friend who was murdered was just like captured and taken into the fold and let in on the joke.
1: Yeah, and throughout the whole movie, like, you never see someone getting murdered. You was just, uh, like, they would show, like, a killer coming upon them, or, like, someone just with their shoes or something, but you right. never actually see the, the stabbing or anything happen.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, and, like, she it's revealed that one of her friends or someone she knows does special effects makeup, and so that's how they pulled off, like, the dude on the boat whose eyeball came out. That was fake, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, which I find it hard to believe that these people would be, like, scared to death and then, like, captured and brought into the fold and then, like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. I'll be in on it.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll, we'll be part of this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think especially how scared uh, the last two characters are in this, uh, it, was it it's Kit and Rob? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised they weren't just, like, so pissed off at everyone and, like, like, lost it because like you're really with them in that last scene where they're being like chased by her with the knife and I mean he's like yelling to her like I love you and all this stuff and they're basically like almost like saying goodbye to each other and suddenly it was all just a prank it's crazy
0: yeah, and whenever I see a movie like this too, I'm also like, You're lucky one of them didn't just grab a knife and kill you. I know like, the
1: prankster. I know. Somebody thinks could have gone wrong pretty easily. <laughs> and then yeah. like the their final line is like, It's after twelve PM, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> the joke's on you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And then and then there's that final scene, right?
0: Yeah, so they all like have a good laugh, and they're kind of partying and getting drunk. And then Muffy goes back to her room, and she finds a gift that's wrapped on her bed. She opens it, and it's the jack-in-the-box from the film's opening. And she's winding it, waiting for it to pop open. It's a little bit tense. And then one of the friends, this woman, Nan, pops out of the closet and slits her throat. So it's like, oh, holy shit, but it's a fake knife and fake blood. And then they both have a chuckle about it,
1: (laughs) which I felt was kind of one twist too many. Yeah, that that one was kind of unnecessary. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Apparently the original ending involved Skip,
1: who's her cousin, sneaking back onto the island to kill Muffy to get her share of the inheritance. I thought even in that uh, alternate ending, it was still like a hoax, but was he actually going to like kill her? Yeah,
0: it looks. It seems like there were a couple ideas in play, like one of him actually killing her, trying to kill her, and then getting killed, like because he was thwarted by one of the other dudes. Oh, and then it sounded like maybe there were somewhere.
1: He goes back, but then that's a joke too. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little unclear. Yeah, I I wonder how different a movie it would have been if like that last ending kill was like a serious one versus, uh, the April Fool's kill.
0: Yeah, I think maybe it could
1: have been better. Yeah. Would've given the movie some more like realness since like the whole thing was basically a joke. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Um did you I assume you watched this on Amazon. Um yeah I did. Yep. Did you notice some of the dialogue being really quiet? Oh no, I
1: didn't notice that. Okay, maybe that was just us. I felt like the sound mixing was terrible. Wow. On some on some some conversations were just too quiet. Yeah, yeah, like I, I couldn't hear
0: him at all, but that might have just been something on our the TV we were watching it on or something.
1: Yeah, no, I, I didn't notice that when I was watching it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, another I, question, oh, go ahead. Oh, I one thing I, I think uh, was kind of remarkable about this movie is, you know, we, we talked about the critique that there were just a, too many uh, people in this and the cast was huge, and that's usually the downfall of these movies, especially when we can't really, like, say what each of their names were and the backstory was terrible. But there was something about this cast uh, where I don't know if it was like the chemistry or the energy between them uh, or like the constant pranking that was going on where it felt like kind of lively throughout. Like even though you didn't know these characters, uh, they were still like different enough and unique individual enough where I kind of felt like a little more invested in them. Did did you feel that at all? I did not. I I feel like I read some user reviews that felt that way. Yeah. Um,
0: and apparently, they like all got together a day or two or a weekend before to like build some rapport and right. work on their chemistry. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't see it. It just it was a bunch of people joking around. But it was, I felt like the emphasis was on the jokes and not really on their relationships. But yeah, it sounds like you you do not you disagree with me a bit on that.
1: Uh, no, I mean I think you're right. I think the relationships were definitely uh, under developed uh especially yeah like i mean who was hooking up with who and like who had long-term relationships i mean who, who was friends with you like all that stuff like i have no idea but i think each of the characters themselves were unique enough like you had the the jock who was like trying to get uh ahead in life but you know he's got that he might not be smart enough to go to med school you had the joker guy you had the guy with the camera i mean everyone kind of had their own shtick in a way which i think is true
0: of, yeah everybody had a thing
1: yeah yeah and that, that kind of helped you kind of tell the difference between them without like even knowing their names or anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah.
0: Um, I'll also say like the twists and turns along the way, even though they're a little bit silly and like the various red herrings, it did keep me entertained and engaged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Even though some of them were just like, that didn't go anywhere, or make any sense. Like the jack in the box made no sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just so random. Or, you know what? Maybe the Jack in the Box was just like showing how her family
1: has a history of pranking each other. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, chew. Yeah. There was something about this movie which made me feel like it kind of goes with some of the newer releases, like Happy Death Day and in the way it balanced like scares with like comedy and like uh, levity. Like, I, there's something about it that which felt kind of refreshing compared to, I think, some of the other slashes we've seen around this era that I, I, I appreciated. I hear that. I feel like that's the way a lot of people who liked it felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like the the defining characteristic of it or what what made it unique. Yeah,
0: I kind of want to watch it again now that I know the twist.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just so you can like catch the hints along the way.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit of a boring ride at first. There's about 40 minutes where not much is happening.
1: Yeah, the buildup is long. Did you see this twist coming at all?
0: Um, not
1: really, but it was always kind of in the back of my
0: mind that something crazy could happen just because the movie's called April Fool's Day.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I thought was, Vincent Price was going to pop out or something. Yeah, I, I was just waiting the whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just... Uh, it, it's so different, like, for a slasher film. Like, usually you never think that, oh, the, these kills aren't actually real, because that's, that's, like, never the case. I mean, in Scream, you have it where... Um, you know yeah I, I the thought crossed my mind at some point when they weren't showing the dead bodies that maybe it's not showing it because one of these guys is the real killer and that's why you don't see them die you know i think my bloody valentine you had a killer like that as well where like you thought you saw him die but he didn't actually die um yeah so yeah but but, but like the whole cast like being alive and no one dying in this movie it's just like unheard of for like a slasher it's crazy yeah the body count was zero
0: <laughs> yeah yeah what are the odds uh, did you notice? So there is a scene where one of the guys gets like strung up in a trap that's been laid by the mm-hmm. assailant. Yeah, and there's a snake th- that's on the ground that bites him. Right, and then nothing seemed like that snake bite seemed to resolve itself.
1: They never really came
0: back oh, to that.
1: Yeah, and that that wasn't planned, right? Like that snake uh, wasn't there. But like that was, yeah, part she of
0: like... like mentions, Muffy mentions in the big reveal, like we did have a little bit of a setback with the unplanned <laughs> snake, but yeah, was, was that um, a python? It, it, it wasn't a python. I don't know what kind of snake it was, but you can tell when they have those like triangular shaped heads that they're poisonous. Oh yeah. So he definitely got bit by a poisonous snake and yeah, they just brushed that off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, Um, this movie didn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) A lot of parts. Yeah. I mean, I think if you,
0: if you kept poking at it, you could be like, Hmm. Yeah. But (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what of, uh, zero to five severed heads floating in a well, how many would you give
1: this? Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you that logically it doesn't flow very well and a lot of loose ends and, uh, characters undeveloped and everything. But I, I got to say, it was kind of a fun watch, and that end uh, caught me by surprise. And uh, for that, I got to give it like three and a half, I think. three and a half severed oh, wow. heads. What about you?
0: All right. Nice. Uh, I only give it two. Yeah. I, I love the twists and turns, but I still felt like it was kind of boring. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my normal, I sound like a broken record, but my normal slasher complaints of no, no real character arc or character
1: development or anything like that. Which, yeah. I know that's the genre, but that's <laughs> yeah. kind of why I don't love the genre. i so curious, if there was a slasher, like, is there a slasher movie out there that you would give, like, uh, a four to? Like, what's, what's, what do you think is, like, one of the best slasher movies that you've seen? Halloween,
0: I think, is my uh, gold standard slasher. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and there are still, like, throwaway characters, but there's one character who you really care about.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that's all you need is one. That's true. Yeah, it's interesting more slash movies and follow that format of like one character that you spend a lot of time with and get to know and really like ends up living into that final battle They they all kind of went for like the mass killing and throwing in as many people as you can. Yeah. Yeah, they really did. They went the Friday the 13th route instead of the Halloween route, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Though I don't know, there must be other ones out there somewhere more similar to Halloween than uh, than some of the ones we've seen. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Yeah. Um,
0: but I've had a decent amount of brandy and I can't think of them and I kind (laughs) of want to wrap this up because my battery is about to die unless you got anything else no I'm good (laughs) cool All right, listeners well that wraps up our discussion on April Fool's Day from 1986 we hope you enjoyed it Uh, if you did or if you didn't you can talk to us about it on Facebook we're at Horror Movie Club Podcast um, or on Twitter we're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com and by the time you hear this, we should have a few movie reviews posted on our website, horrormovieclub.com, so you can go check those out. Our artwork is done by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if a wealthy friend invites you to her family's mansion on an isolated island, you might want to bring a whoopee cushion, a snake bite kit, and your autograph book, because Vincent Price might just be there.
1: <laughs> That's what you're taking out.